Welcome to another Sonic Talk. This is episode 355 uh, today, Wednesday, the 16th of April. Um, as we head towards Easter, we're, we're on our way. I uh, just want to say thanks everybody for joining us in the chat room. We've got a nice live uh, crew here for you uh, bring them in. You can see the, the new colours there. If you, if you fancy joining us live at any point, which is obviously your most welcome, while the technology can hold up, you get your own colour and everything, and you might even feature in the chat room. But the chat room is uh, very welcome. Uh, sonicstate.com forward slash live, if this is the first time you've seen it. 4pm UK time, uh, you can join us. There's the li- this live, very live stream, in fact, and uh, the chat room, which uh, is really helpful. It kind of gives us a little bit of extra um, input and adds some a certain friss on. If we know that live people are there, and it gives us an idea that there's somebody out there, rather than us just talking like, well, myself only, I think, like a confused doddery old git with uh you know nobody listening but i know that's not true and you'll be pleased to know that um at least i know that there are four other people listening to me at this very that very moment in time and i'll introduce those in a second but first i want to say thanks very much to isotope for sponsoring the show as with last week we've got a competition again this week uh along the same line i'm going to tweak it very slightly but uh, you can win a copy of rx3 the uh rather excellent sound restoration design well you can use it for design as well brilliant bundle um so uh, do stay tuned for information of that and a message from isotope a little bit later but first we'll now go to our guests and let me see we'll start with uh, well i haven't seen robbie bronneman there for, for well robbie bronneman of course in robot studios down in the west country uh, with his piles of modular equipment oodles of compositional and production and um, film score talent taken time out of his busy schedule to join us uh, for yet another week thank you very much robbie how are you very good thanks yeah very good very uh, crazy as usual doing all sorts of other random things this week but um, it's all good Andrew, i want to hear about some of this because uh, yeah. i certainly know that uh, you've been to see something that i know we're all very interested in uh, perhaps a little bit well I, I could tease that i suppose you went to see the raven um steven slate raven mtr yeah so yeah. yeah you'll be able to give us some thoughts on that because we're dying yeah. i know i'm for one i'm dying to know yeah. So, excellent. So, and, oh, look at that. Mark Tinley's got a new hat. Fantastic. Looking very Ebenezer good there, Mark. Uh, yeah. Mark Tinley uh, there in, uh, down also in the West Country, but a different part in the spiritual wow. home of hippiedom. Uh, Mark Tinley, sound designer, sound artist, creative thinker, and, well, a hat wearer par excellence. In fact, you're looking very Dickensian <laughs> this week because you've got the sort of top hat and the half-moon glasses. As long as I don't look David Dickinson, that's fine. <laughs> as as wow, I didn't even think of that. But now you're ta- now you're saying <laughs> no, it. I don't even want to. Orange, maybe. Yeah, you yeah. need you need a yeah. you need a you need a firmer tan, a firmer yeah. permanent. I like these glasses because they mean I can see things. <laughs> I find that things far away and close up. So I find that's a fun. that's a real benefit generally. Anyway, Mark, thank you very much for joining us this week. Um, before you, um, I want to mention this. Ah, yes. At the beginning. Oh. And in the middle and probably at the end, but I'm doing a sound workshop in Glastonbury next Wednesday in the evening, and I've decoded the entire Bible and all of music. So if you want to find out everything about music and everything about religion and why sound and God and all those things mean everything, 
Okay, I'm exaggerating. Wow. Um, we're doing a we're doing a sound and voice workshop, and we're using tones and solfeggio tones and binaural beats and all those sorts of things, and looking at musical tuning and stuff, and playing with our voices uh, for about two and a half hours in Glastonbury, and it will be really fun. I want to invite I'm everyone in the chat. So anyone who's Anywhere close to Glastonbury, please come. In the UK. Um, and what would be the date of that and yeah, venue? The Do they just 23rd show up? of April. Yep. 23rd of April. Arrive at 7.15 at St. Mary's Hall. Uh, and the postcode is BA69EJ. Excellent. And make yourself known to Mark. Uh, that'd be quite yeah. thrilling to have a Sonic Talk listener there. Anyway, Mark, thank Hello. you. Yeah, thank you. Nice and sunny there too, I see. Yeah. Uh, and also, we go to Mr. Rich Hilton, who's there in Connecticut. Rich, course, keyboard player with Chic and Nile Rogers studio guy. Probably one of them, you know, very, very, very busy, as I keep saying, playing every conceivable festival known to man for the foreseeable future as part of the Chic Travelling Disco Orchestra. Um, how are you, Rich? Muted. Slightly. There he goes. Good, thank you. Sorry about that. <laughs> Excellent. Glad to hear it. And any travels this week, or have you had a quite a quiet week in terms of travel? I actually uh, went to see my uh, son Corey play his first college recital this weekend. Wow, that must have been great. It was, and that's the same. I think that's the same college that you went to as well, right? Yes, it is. And it indeed, is, Bob. And had, pardon. And indeed, Bob Moog. Uh, Bob Moog. I don't think attended college there, but lived in the Ithaca area while he was developing these things that we love so dearly these nowadays. Excellent. So how was it? Was it everything you hoped it would be? It was. And just being at the school is great to me and my friends who teach there. And I never get tired of people here talking nice about my kids. So of that's course. fun too. And Excellent. It's good. Oh, well, I'm pleased to hear that. Glad, glad. And he did really well, by the way. He did great. Excellent. I'm, I'm very yeah. glad to hear that. Well, congratulations yeah, to you. You must. Proud dad. Yeah, very much so. Ah, there's a there's a proud father of many synthesizers there, working on his grumpy face for us. Uh, Dave Spears, G4 Software, in his synth cave, where he's he's the, as I've said before, the Ebenezer of uh, of of, ca- uh, of collection. That's not a Scrooge. That's Ebenezer, as in Ebenezer from the Aladdin, who's collected all the treasure. He's got synthesizer treasure. See where I'm going with that, Dave? Dave Spears, G4 Software dot com. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. Hectic, busy, hectic, hectic. And the sun is shining everywhere. Sounds yes. like it's raining. Sounds like you've got a kettle going on there. I don't know where you've got auto game, but there's a lot of. I think it's no, just. Oh, it's my fan on the blooming lappy here. Is it really? Good lord. Yeah, it's going nuts. Wow. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll try and find the other mic. All right. Well, I will. Uh, we'll come. We'll come back to you though. That means you're. Um, you're the pace between your heat sink and your CPU is going dry. Ah, there we go. Top tip. I can hear it very loudly, though. It sounds like there's a... But anyway, for the time being, we'll come back. So let's start uh, with... Um, I think we... Did, we, we d- um, actually, Rich, you mentioned this last week, but I don't think we got to talk about it. So I'm going to play the video, and here it comes. From the studios at Waves HQ... Comes a true original, a powerful new tool to add life to any kind of music. Say hello to Vitamin. Vitamin is a multiband harmonic enhancer and tone shaping plugin that adds energy to your mix 
instantly. Zero latency means Vitamin is good for mixing, mastering, or live sound. Think of it as a parallel chain of EQ, compression, and saturation plugins that can add magic and spark to all of your mixes. This is not just a supplement. It's the real thing. Wow, there's some marketing blurb for you there. That's a very uh, hardcore bit of marketing. That's actually quite interesting. Somebody posted in the Gear Sluts forum, but what are the side effects? <laughs> Which I thought was kind of funny, anyway. So, uh, oh, Rich... Uh, Waves Vitamin, That's a, it's a kind of maximizer, saturation, uh, enhancer, as far as I know. You're presumably a Waves user. Do you get it as part of one of your bundles? Is it, have you had a chance to check it out? I don't know if it's available yet, actually. And I think I maxed out my bundles about 15 years ago um, <laughs> without, you know, some sort of expensive upgrading. I tend to buy piecemeal from them these days Not um, to supplement the bundle that I had previously gotten together, and I'm quite happy with that. Um this product looks very interesting, very wonderful, and almost the very definition of enough rope with which to hang one's self. <laughs> you can make anything really much, all the badness, even more emphasized. It's almost too much power in the hands of people who may or may not know how or why they want to do what they're doing, but are just turning knobs until something sounds louder and Basier. Maybe they made it too cheap because it's actually not too expensive. It's like ninety nine bucks or one hundred and forty nine on SoundGrid, which for a wave product is actually very reasonable. Those those yeah. dastardly people making it so affordable. Yeah, it's not like them, is it? It's a very new. <laughs> no, a new no, th- I'm kidding. <laughs> and it's it may be a wonderful thing, and I would like to try it and play with it and see what it does. Um, I am actually curious about it myself. Yeah, but yeah. I'm also very skeptical about how easily it will be to misuse in the field. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. One thing I did look very interesting was the ability to affect the width on a per-band basis, which sounds quite interesting. I know, Robbie, you're nodding away there. Is that, that sounds like it could be quite interesting, right? Yeah, I've got, I've got it because I've got Mercury and it's part of that. Um, I've had a play with it and that's the best bit of it for me is the multi-band widening because I, I, love, I love all that anyway. I'm a big, big user of widening stuff up selectively. So I think that aspect of it is really good. But I was kind of laughing because at the kind of the same time as I saw that plugin, I also got that that news from UAD about this new plugin um, by Brainworks, which is called Refinement, which is meant to take the harshness off your mixes. So it's like a it's like a sort of an open ended thing, isn't it? You put all the harshness in, <laughs> and then you take it all out with another plugin. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds. Like- madness the whole thing isn't it really that sounds great i'm looking i'm trying to look that up actually uh you what do you use it on then i mean for widening what would you widen with it i love i love widening um lots of little percussive elements i try and have lots of little individual things which i put some things i put really hard in mono and other ones i like to put into a reverb and quite often i put the reverbs i widen the reverbs and things um so i just i I just like that kind of overemphasized wide stereo thing going on particularly in the sort of electronic stuff i do ah okay uh, yeah but it's, it's really good for all that i think but like rich says i mean there's fight there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in there that you could do to really gnarl your mix up in the wrong hands yeah like a lot of these things this is uh the brainworks bx refinement plugin tastefully <laughs> remove the harsh heart the hard heart the harsh hard edges of your tracks without dramatically altering the character and tone i like the idea of that sort of like pulling maybe pulling a sort of gentle blanket over over certain aspects of it and sort That's of dulling it d- like. 
It does it. It's like pulling a blank. Nice. Like maybe fleece, something very fleecy. Alpaca, perhaps. Something like that that's got a little bit of sort of coziness. Warm, smudgy yeah. sort of business. Interesting. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I must admit, I'm not much of a Waves guy. I've kind of, we've, we've been through the kind of Waves experience and I, I was one of the very, very early adopters of uh, some Waves stuff way back and I went through that whole kind of thing of having to buy everything again and just sort of thought, you know, I'm not doing that again. But yeah. I, I think we I can probably... I've got bloody ass plug in somewhere. Yeah, yeah. No white dongle thing the, that went in the parallel the adb port yeah no i know what you mean i just feel like i've paid for everything about five times so far that's you know it doesn't seem to have changed very much and those waves plugins just go on and on don't they well this one's a bit this one's certainly a more affordable and i like the uh, interesting that it works on sangrid so you might be using it live which would be kind of an interesting concept imagine sticking that imagine the damage you could do with something like that across say i don't know a double <laughs> base in a live yeah. environment <laughs> That would be... I'd probably use about a third of their plugins in the whole bundle. Right. But you get to a point with the Wave stuff, if you bought so many things, it was just becoming ridiculous of all the upgrades you had to pay to keep them up to date. So it was just worth waiting until one of those Christmas deals where everything's 50% off and just biting the bullet so you know that you kind of everything's sorted under one update for the rest of your life, basically. Mm. But yeah, yeah it's no, expensive. I can, I can it's imagine. Expensive. But, you know... Yeah, but the updates aren't always updates, are they? I mean, sometimes the updates are just like they change the shell slightly so it will work in the latest uh, door, yeah. but the actual plugins themselves stay exactly the same. Yes, this this update, tell. which you pay for, just allows you to use it on your own equipment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> really annoying. Oh, <laughs> I mean, that's... I guess, you know, at the same time, I guess they've got to have money to develop. Yeah, I know. Like I, we, we, I, I mean, I do get the feeling that Waves have... They've been through the same sort of cycle that Behringer went through, which is kind of years of being, being kind of thought of in a certain way and have changed their policies and stuff quite considerably since, so it's probably a little unfair that we're so harsh on them. Don't you think, Dave... Is this something a stereo? I don't think that um, um, stereo widening based on uh, frequency bands could be kind of an interesting idea with synth patches, or not? Uh, yeah, yeah, it can be done. Uh, weirdly enough, I use that in isotope. Yeah. Anyway, in ozone. Ah, okay. Yeah. I got a multi-band widener, which I use. In fact, to be honest, I'm probably similar to you in that I used to use wave stuff years ago. Same kind of situation, looked for an alternative, and that's kind of how I discovered the isotope stuff. And I've just kind of stuck with it ever since. Ah, so Dave, you, 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 the gas has gone in your chair again. You might need to just uh, pump, pump it up. A, there we go, that's it. Just pump it up a little bit. and you can, you, you, Now we've got a sort of proper... Now you look like a right anchor man rather than Good. a dwarf sat at the It'll table. a scruffy one. Is my audio better? <laughs> yeah, it's much better. That's great. Thank you very much. Nothing like a bit of decent audio in a uh, programme for audio called sonic talk i find um right well waves vitamin is available now um there's also something called vox and go uh harmony eq which is a similar thing which is about 79 bucks so 10 bucks cheaper but um you know it's kind of interesting uh this was another one um do you love the glove i'm not sure if i do or not let's find out this is uh imogen heap performing uh that was a wired 2002 uh, it's an introduction to her kickstarter campaign uh which Hello, is well i'll let her explain make music but the reason i'm here today is because i'm developing some technology to help me get closer to the music i want to make 
And like most musicians, I often use computers when I'm composing, recording and performing. But I always feel that clicking a mouse or pressing a button, moving a fader, never really enables me to interact expressively with the sounds that I'm producing. I always wished I could control my equipment more naturally. I'm often seen flitting between various different controllers and instruments. It really needed a rethink. I needed something more intuitive. I wanted to be able to play the computer as expressively as I can play the piano for the movements that I make to be able to reflect. Nice guitar action there, I must say. Did you see that? That was actually a almost a duck walk and a stage leap with a guitar. I wouldn't expect that of Imogen here. I thought that was awesome. Um, this is uh, this is the Kickstarter product uh, project. Uh, I think I've got some pages up here. Yeah, this is running. Uh, it's got another 17 days to go. Uh, they're looking for 200 grand uh, to develop this, which has been she's been using it in her own competitions and, and uh, performances, and they want to develop a, a, a kind of full product here. Uh, lots of pretty shots of gloves um, that you can pledge, you know, little amounts and get things like badges and be a supporter and what have you. Very smart because she's got an enormous amount of social media followers. So even if like 1% of them kind of get involved, she's probably, well, actually, well, she hasn't reached it yet, but not halfway there. I don't know how long it's supposed to go. Um, you can get, uh, I think the first time you actually get something is a naked glove for 150, which is just the textile without any electronics. 200 is also a naked glove, but you build it with a kit. Uh, 750, you get another kit. 1200 quid, you get a glove, and then that will uh, then um, communicate. It's got uses these um, these I, I, I XOSC boards, which are like wi wireless connectors that uh, give you up to uh, I think it's 32 channels of digital high resolution digital information that then you can pipe into whatever it is that you're going to control with it. Um, Mark, you you were you brought this to our attention. Do you think, I did. Do you think, um, I mean, this smacks a little bit of those kind of uh, early, It's. I'm still thinking, you know, laser harp, Jean-Michel Jarre on stage, you know, I'm not sure that there's actually a problem that needs to be fixed with a pair of gloves here, but um, perhaps you can perhaps you can enlighten us a little she's, more of uh, your thoughts. Well, she's clearly got a very unique way of making music. I think you've got to go right the way up to the sort of the five grand option before it's worth even investing in, haven't you? Have you? I think you do, because I think what makes this special is her mind. The way she's she's probably created loads of mapping stuff in Ableton yeah. that's really, really clever. Uh, so I see say what you mean. Um, my brother went out and bought this as a MIDI glove and then wanted to use it with his synth, it just wouldn't do anything, would it? <laughs> well, he'd have to... He'd <laughs> if have he to... bought the 1,200 quid version, he'd probably be standing there going, like, what? what? Nothing's happening. Yeah, I, I, yeah so you it, could just, you're just going, wow, It needs wow. the support as well, so you have to go kind of way up the way up the thing to sort of you know get the support as well oh, think, that's interesting so you you're you're paying and i think your 1200 quid option there basically is uh doesn't although you get the board it doesn't really come you'd have to know how to compile the software and put the software in it wouldn't you uh hold on uh many blah 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 you also be able to choose a left or right glove oh, that's good uh, combined with the software which will be available for free download to map musical gestures to musical control signals e.g midi uh, yeah, the five grand one. There are six backers, a limited of ten. One for each finger. Yeah. One for each finger, curiously. So, yeah, there's only four of those left. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's where you'd need to be, and I just don't think, I mean, yeah, you know, interesting kind of... as it might seem, I don't think it's five grand interesting. It's maybe, I want to, you know, 
maybe I'll have to wait five years. Maybe you could just get a finger. I to buy something for 100 bucks that I can play around with, you know. Just a finger, um, perhaps. I know which yeah, one I, I know which one I'd use. Go, go, Robbie. Sorry. No, I mean I, I followed this right from the start because I'm a massive fan of hers. Always have been. Yeah. So slightly biased with it, but um, I mean what I have to say is you know her 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 tenacity to kind of go after doing these things is amazing. You know the amount of stuff she's invested personally in this over a long period of time is amazing. And when you've actually seen some of the performance things she can do with the glove. We, when all the gestures and everything have all been developed personally for her way of working, I mean, it's phenomenal what she can do. She can literally write music on the fly with these gloves. Now, just as Mark said, somebody gets those gloves for themselves. I mean, she's practiced and practiced and practiced and learned these That's gestures. It. Really complicated yeah. things to do all sorts of things like granular synthesis and changing the panning and all sorts of stuff. The amount of work anybody's going to have to put in to kind of get to that kind of level is like learning a new instrument. And Absolutely. probably there are a handful of people out there who have either got teams of people who can you know, do all the donkey work and get them to a basic level to make it impressive. But for most people, I think it's just too far beyond their kind of realms of the time they could put in. But, I mean, it's amazing technology. I mean, so I have to applaud her for that because... You know, she's gone after doing the one thing she wants to do, and she's put a whole team of people around her to do it. Yeah. So for her, it's amazing, and I'm sure who wouldn't want to go yeah. and see her yeah. doing it? Who? But do you want to see your favourite artist flailing their arms around on stage? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I quite like to see her flitting around between different keyboards and controllers rather than just wiggling her hands around. But you know, that's just me. Uh, and let's not forget, this is actually a Kickstarter project. It's not like you know she's doing it off her. Own. You know, there is money being invested in this. They want two hundred grand, so you know, presumably that's going to go some way to. Uh, I want take. To, yeah, I want to see it in Toys R Us. If she's going to spend two hundred grand. Uh, developing it when you know when am I going to get a version that my nine-year-old can plug into his computer and use that would be cool well that's that kind of the um, thing isn't it that's basically that you know the thing we've been talking about on and off over the last few weeks I've dabbled with beams well, I can't remember what it's called what's it called leap motion ah uh, yeah leap motion yeah, or, leap or, or that yeah I suppose so like the, the, every man's kind of entry level into flailing your arms yeah and not doing very much i know rich um i know that you know we as you know professionals if you're working in a studio environment i mean this sort of thing probably doesn't have all that much relevant i suppose could you imagine the sort of day where you get a session person coming in and they're like a glove player and so they'll come in and perform with the gloves for you know a part on a record or something rather than you know the guitarist or whatever well i had a woman come with her hypnotist once so anything's possible (laughs) um but I want to uh, agree with Robbie about Imogene and her tenacity. It's really very impressive. And uh, this whole project, as I said last week, interests me. I can't wait to see what people can do with it. Agreed about all the work that has to go behind creating the templates and the motions that fit your expressive style in order to make it expressive for you to other people. And I want to reiterate what I said last week, which is that I'm far personally less interested in getting further away from the vibration in terms of the touch. And this is almost motivated by an idea that we're going to be controlling our Stephen Slate coffee tables from across the room with a pair of gloves. Like we touch <laughs> absolutely nothing now, you know, like, and there's something nice about touching the instrument. And I don't mean to be, you know, crude, yeah. rude or lewd about it. It's just, 
it's fun to touch the vibration or create the vibration. This is sort of another way of looking at life, and I am still just as enthusiastic about seeing what people will do with it. Yeah. Well said. Dave. Thank you. Software control, surely. There's got to be something in it for that, isn't there? I mean, that would be quite interesting, right? I'll tell you what. I reckon, I mean, I, I agree with Robbie, and I've got a lot of respect for her, but I'll tell you, I reckon she could burn her way through 200K just on tech support for this alone. Can you yeah. imagine all the people buying it? I mean, we get our uh, fair share of what we like to term as idiot support. I reckon with this, there's going to be uh, a, fair, a fair amount of people going, how do I turn it on? It's not doing the right thing when I do that. When I point yeah. it, it does something completely oblique to what I expected it to. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure. I think for her it'll be great. And like I say, I completely agree with everything that's been said before. I'm not sure. It's certainly not for me. I don't think that slightly podgy middle-aged men look very good flaunting around the stage with a kind of matty glove on. I think if you had <laughs> the right clothes, to, the right colour spandex, I think it would look perfect. <laughs> I beg to differ. I'll tell you, you try it first. And, then if, it, and if it kind of catches on, then I'll get, a, I'll get one as well. Right or left hand? That's the thing I want to know. Well, we could do like opposing hands, couldn't we? You could have we like could a... like a duo, a glove duo. <laughs> Alvin Stott. Playing rock, papers or scissors or something nah, like that. Nah, now you're talking. Just be amazing. That's a great name for your first glove band, isn't it? Rock, paper, scissors. It's <laughs> great. Right. I, in fact, I added an extra one. I've got dynamite in rock, paper, scissors because yeah, that, yeah, can, yeah. that can be uh, cut with the scissors, you see. So, and also, but it, it beats, it beats oh, everything. Yeah, so I, I added a fourth, a fourth dimension to it, which I think were quite nice. Well, certainly my daughter plays it. I usually just go for dynamite every time. She always goes for scissors every time. So it's pretty much stalemate. Um, <laughs> I think yeah. I hope she gets funded. She gets, she gets what? I hope she does, I'm saying I hope she does get funded. Even yeah, I though, hope she gets funded. Because I, 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 I just kind of, I just always wish her to, you know, because there's not many people out there doing that, you know, taking their music and technology to that level. So I, I hope she does, you know, if it helps her as well. Well, £66,808 so far. Three hundred. Let's see if anything's happened since, uh, since we started the... Uh, Started the show. See if we've driven anybody over there to. Ah, no, sadly not. Um, but to buy you know, a finger. To buy a finger, yeah. Which finger? The thumb? Yeah. There's well, obviously, there's only one finger that I you. Could... I suppose. I suppose if you think about it, it does. Uh, if she develops the, the system being textiles that can output uh, data, it does kind of give me a whole load of ideas for other things like you could put that you could put those kind of textiles in other clothing couldn't you so it doesn't necessarily have to be a midi glove if that thing gets developed and it works well you could have midi pants couldn't you actually uh you you know what you've just I, i'll tell you what i'm gonna i'm just gonna throw this uh, just as we're talking about midi pants look at that i've made some midi pants here uh there oh, yeah. they are there they are look there they are not midi pants what am i talking about sonic state pants sonic state boxer oh. shorts Eleven pounds. Ah. <laughs> I just put a load of logos on some cafe press stuff. I don't I haven't sold anything yet. So but there you go. We could uh, we could have uh, Sonic State MIDI boxer shorts. Perfect. If you want to know where that is, that's uh, cafepress.com forward slash Sonic State merch. And uh, Are you there's soliciting endorsements. Endorsements for pants? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what I would. Uh, no, I, I <laughs> not at this point. I, I'm not doing it for any kind of financial gain. I just thought you know people are big. We haven't got any kind of. Um, any merch and i just thought well if i did this at least i quite like the look of the mug actually 
These pants are awesome. They're groundbreaking, revolutionary. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, they are, Dave. Changes. They are, indeed, all of those things. Right, well, I think this is probably a good time to, speaking of revolutionary and awesome, it's probably a good time to maybe uh, have a word from our sponsors. So I'm going to press the button for the ad. Oh, I better actually get the copy up as well because I do have to read some stuff. Here it comes. So I just want to say uh, thank you very much to Isotope for their sponsorship of the show. Uh, obviously, um, the product we're talking about this week is RX3, which is the, the latest incarnation. It's the fastest, easiest way to repair and restore audio. Suited to audio engineering, recording, post-production, archiving, broadcast, forensic, and more. Uh, Cutting-edge tools for treating previously unusable audio. It is actually pretty good for all sorts of things. Remove or reduce reverb from vocals, or enhance it, if you wish. Uh, De-reverb module. Clean up dialogue on the fly with dialogue denoiser. It's being used a lot in uh, the film industry at the moment and TV. Monitor your loudness and audio with inside. Uh, it's a metering suite uh, churned flawed audio into pristine usable material doing denoise declip declick decrackle spectral repair and more uh, there's just a lot of stuff that this can do and it really is worth checking out isotope.com forward slash rx3 and while you're there you can download uh, well you can actually till May the 1st it's 100 bucks off basically on the uh, regular version and 749 from down from 1199 for rx3 advance and you get um, the extra metering and a bunch of other sort of much more tweaky tools but yeah great system and of course we're going to have a competition this week and the competition I will uh, mention a, uh, a phrase later on uh, i think we'll do it in a, um, well what the hell i'll do it now i think i'll find my um and i'm going to do it slightly differently because last week i said the first person to send a tweet in and it happened like four seconds after i'd finished but the idea is um what we're going to do is if, if you all basically well basically what you have to do is you have to wit to win isotope rx3 uh you want a hashtag that you need a twitter account for this and the, the reason i'm not doing this real time because some of you may not have a, ha a twitter account and you may want to get one just for this because the odds are quite good you know we do get a bunch of listeners but it's not millions so you you stand a fairly good chance uh isotope rx so fix the mix hashtag fist fix the mix not fist the mix fix the mix at Sonic Nick and at Isotope Inc. So include us in that. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, pick, I'll take all of the tweets that come in with those hashtags. And they'll be, say, you know, if there's 200 or whatever, then I'll get a random number generator and pick, you know, the 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 192nd or whatever number that brings up. And that will be the winner. We'll announce it next week. So once again, you need to tweet hashtag fix the mix at Sonic Nick and at Isotope Inc. Uh, you can mention any other things like Isotope or Sonic Talk, if you like, at the same time. But yes, that's your chance. So do enter. And once again, we thank uh, our uh, sponsors for the uh, the show. I'm just really, I'm looking at my camera and as the battery says it's about to run out. So I've obviously not plugged in the power supply. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? In the meantime, what I'm going to do is I'll go back. Now what we'll do is we'll go to our... Um, our next topic, uh, love the glove. Uh, well, actually, we could choose one. Um, do you think sampling the sample? I think that's probably going to take up a bit of time, and I think it's quite interesting. And this is the news that uh, there was a, basically a news piece on Sonic, uh, which is uh, uh, binary music releaser LA50 for Contact and Ableton Live. You know, what on the face of it might seem to be a fairly innocuous kind of item. Uh, 
And this is uh, based on the uh, D50. Uh, it's contact instrument, so it's a bunch of samples and what have you. But actually, what this threw up, um, Eric Persing on Synthetopia started to kind of question whether or not this was okay. Because, And I didn't really realise this, but of course, um, the basis of the D50 is a bunch of PCM samples. And the people that own the rights to the recording of the PCM samples, the Roland Corporation, and Eric Persing, who created a lot, or if not all, of the presets for the original D D50, uh, was saying, you know, you can't do this without licensing it. It's effectively just sampling and re and pass. I guess it's passing off uh, other people's work. And I hadn't really thought about that, but it opens up a whole bunch of questions about, you know, what can you use? Because I mean, presumably, then if the recordings of the PCMs are owned and you play them in a record, you know, do you need a specific license for that? There's all sorts of other things. Or if you sell just patches, is that okay? I, I don't know. And there's a number of. Um, a number of issues about this that probably need discussing. And I'm going to start with uh, you, Dave, because I know that's not Dave, that's Rich. I'll start with you, Dave, because I know that this is probably quite close to your heart, because, I mean, you make emulations of synthesizers, and obviously it's entirely possible to create just sample-based libraries, right? Yeah, this was very, very, very different. And uh, it essentially sampled, from what I understand, it essentially sampled the presets from the D50 exactly as it is, with no changes. Uh, and obviously, it's not allowed. And it's kind of something that's it was interesting. I thought Eric's comments, I was kind of led to the post, and I thought Eric's comments were brilliant, actually, uh, in that he took the opportunity to attempt to explain and get rid of this kind of misconception that because a product may be discontinued or not current, it's okay to rip off all the presets and resell them. And obviously it's under copyright and what have we got? We've got 70, 70 years, is it, in America or 70 years? So there's another, at least another 40 to go. And actually I think Eric, I mean, as I said before, I think he, his explanations were really excellent. And he came under some fire from people accusing Certainly him did. of being greedy and all the rest of it. And actually, it wasn't about that, because I, don't, I think he was one of the original creators. And I don't, but I don't think he's the copyright holder. I think that is exclusively Roland. And you know, Roland have been known to uh, take action against various people. And uh, yeah, it was a, it's a, it's a weird one. But it brings up the it brings up the whole idea of you know because I mean you know people that auto sampling various synths and just throwing them in I suppose if there are no initial samples there um, you know you don't have any copyrights over the the sounds that the synths make or whatever but yeah I think Eric did handle it very well and, and there are a lot of people who get very uppity about this um, no Rich have you dealt with this kind of thing before in your part I mean have you uh, created any sample based libraries yourself or you know provided any materials for that kind of stuff. Um, yes, um, back in the Ensonic days, there was a Nile Rodgers signature series uh, set of samples, a couple of them that. actually. <laughs> and, they were very uh, good. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, and so, yes, we did. Um, as relates to these people uh, and this discussion, everything Dave said I thought was absolutely spot on. I thought Eric was brilliant and patient and clear in all of this and took great pains to define the differences between the moral way of looking at this thing and the legal way of looking at it. Because when you discuss it just in legal terms, you get into questions about, well, if I played those samples on so-and-so's record, how come those don't have to be licensed? But if I want to record them into my sampler and then play them on that person's record, they do. 
And and that's a legal issue, but a moral issue is, are you stealing somebody else's work and calling it your own? And uh, Eric, I thought, was really clear and incredibly patient in the face of very, very uh, rude opposition in describing all of that and explaining it from a perspective of somebody who's lived it, as does Dave. And I think the world of these guys, both of them, they make great stuff and they have enormously high moral standards and you see it in their work. And those are the guys you support. Absolutely. I think you're right there. Robbie, uh, I mean, I guess, I mean, there's also that thing of kind of that, but also you're you're in the middle of a session, you need a D50 sound because it just happens to be the thing. You know, what do you do? Do you buy this or do you go and find the licensed version? It's that company, isn't there, UVI, who makes some great libraries, but they do loads of libraries that are based on vector synths and D50s and wave stations and all sorts of stuff. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it, you're right. I never thought of it like that. I just always assume that companies like that who've got such big product ranges uh, must have some sort of licensing deal with those sort of companies because I know certainly companies like UVI even use the kind of the, the fonts and the graphical look as you're expecting to see of those sort of synths. So presumably there must be some sort of licensing, otherwise they wouldn't be able to carry on selling them for so long. Hmm. I guess that's a, a valid point, yeah. Um, but I suppose the thing is also, it brings up another thing. I mean, how do you, you know, you get into the kind of issues of how you construct a license that covers, you know, that covers you morally and legally uh, without kind of hamstringing. I suppose the only, the, the only reason you need the license is if you're going to execute it. So, you know, people haven't been sued for putting D50s on their records because obviously that would be nonsense. You know, there'd be no point. I mean, you know, but say that you get this scenario that happens, uh, a company, not Roland, uh, some notional company creates a synth in the 80s that has samples based in it. 20, 30, 40 years down the line, some VC company buys it and decides that they can actually execute the letter of the law and sue all of those people who've used them on recordings and kind of take them out. I mean, I don't know, is that, is that notionally ridiculous or is that actually physically po- possible? They make it very clear now on uh, any sample-based product that you buy hardware and that you can use them within compositions. You know, you let's look at software for a minute. Within the software domain, you buy a license and you can use that within your composition and it's royalty-free and you don't know anybody anything. But you cannot create a derivative work from it. And I think that's the kind of key. Right. So you can't take those sounds and then resample them and sell them. Now you could, and I think Eric touched on this, you could, uh, for example, take a D50 preset as a starting block and edit that so that it wasn't completely recognizable and maybe do something with that. But you cannot take that raw PCM building block, as it were, because that's been created for somebody by somebody else. And I think uh, it's very different to like an analog oscillator or something like that because that exists physically, in a, in a, yes. In a kind of, yeah, as a separate entity, as it were. Well, I hope that's cleared up a certain amount. Oh, sorry. Get... This, yeah. Yes, Co. Um, I think it's all nonsense, personally. <laughs> uh, I uh, I think this is another company who are presenting the D50 again. So there's hundreds of D50 samples out there in the world, and there's loads of D50 libraries, and somebody's just gone out and done it really well and done a really complete one. And, okay, they maybe should have gone and, and spoken to Eric Persing 
before. Well, Roland, actually, uh, not Eric. On the no. market, or Roland. Yeah. But if you look at the PCM wave blocks in a Roland D50, most of those things, if they're not from the Fairlight, they sound so like they're from the Fairlight anyway. I don't. I think I would want to know what the origin of those samples is because it's kind of like, you know, it's like Russian dolls. We somebody came along once upon a time and sampled a piano, and someone else thought, "Well, oh, that's a good piano, so I'll just take that and put that in this," and then it kind of goes on and on and on and on. So they haven't sampled the pure PCM waves or the building blocks. They've just sampled the upper and lower tones and then put them back together and made them sound like Roland patches. If I was going to do it, I'd do it slightly differently. I would make it sound like a D50, but I would ensure that nothing to do with the D50 was in there, and it's possible to do it. You could take the building blocks of the D50, look at the structure of the synth, uh, create patches which worked in the same way as they do on the D50, and then you could swap out all the PCM samples for the better ones, so you could make a hybrid or a kind of a super version or an ultra version of the D50, which had better sounding samples as its building blocks, but basically did the same thing, which wouldn't break any copyrights. Then when, where would you be if it sounded the same? Oh, yeah. Uh, um, in it court, comes back. <laughs> yeah, probably in court. In court uh, for a long time. <laughs> it, it comes well, no, back no, to that. Not I mean, if you... If you look at your, you would. Why would you be in court? If no, you I, at, I think you're right, Mark. I mean, if you change the samples, then yes, there's. I mean, and you know, we've all been, in, or certainly I've been in a situation where I've done a remix or done a demo of a remix, and you know, samples were used a I lot mean, in the '90s, and I was asked to recreate it because I didn't want the hassle of it, yeah. and that's totally fair enough. And then maybe you rec recreated something that sounded exactly like that thing. And then let's not forget that Roland actually had a product out in the mid-90s, called the Dance Something 50, I had one, which was basically the zero-G sample library in a rompler, which played back a whole load of uh, copyright-protected samples because they took the stuff from zero-G who took the stuff off a whole load of records. So Roland hadn't cleared that unit, and they had to withdraw the thing from production. So, I mean, that's... And it's a cool unit as well, actually. What was read that again? That, you you so read Roland, that thread, I, Mark. So read the, read that thread in its entirety. Eric bored. goes into it. He goes into it in quite some detail, and it's really fascinating because I always wondered who the company was who was kind of guilty of that, and I don't think it was Zero G, but um, it seems to be reasonably evident from what uh, oh, <laughs> Eric okay, well, said. And Roland did the ethical thing and removed it. Right. Right. Well, I, um, we could probably get tied up in legalese for an awfully long time here. But anyway, that was kind of, um, I thought it was worth mentioning. Okay, can I just say one last thing? And that is that the D50 was groundbreaking at the time. But who cares about the D50 now? I mean, the, the only, you know, there was some sig signature sounds like digital native dance. And I got, I bought a D50 in like 1988, uh, 1987 maybe even, no, 1988. And by 1990, I was so sick of the sound of the damn thing. And it was really hard to program. It didn't, you couldn't put resonant filters on the PCM waveform. So I was looking for something that would do that. So when the JD-800, I think, came out, 
that sort of superseded it and sounded just way better. So I, I don't know what all the fuss is about. I just think it's ridiculous. Well, I'm guessing, you know, like if you're the company that, yeah, but if you're the company that spent, you know, the however many hundreds of thousands of dollars in R&D and invested in the scientists to do it, yeah, then, but anyway, let's, let's move on because, I mean, I think we can get tied up in this. I've got a couple of light, we could lighten these up a little bit. Um, I've got uh, accidental purchase. This was uh, this was an interesting one. This was a uh, and I, the same sort of thing, same sort of thing nearly happened to me. This was um, a lady called Katie Bryan. This is an enemy story. A uh, woman accidentally pays two thousand six hundred for a Neil Diamond album. Uh, she was in on holiday and uh, heard it and sort of downloaded it and didn't realise she was getting data charges uh, for being in on holiday and ended up paying two and a half grand for the data of downloading it, which I thought was pretty funny, but it got me interested. I was I was looking for a new camera, one of these cameras that we got here. Um, they still show up on, on, on eBay. And there was one, it was like going for sort of 30 quid or something. Oh, brilliant. And I thought, I'll go up to £62. And I typed in, and I was at that point, you know when eBay, when you go and click and then you get to the next stage and then it goes, are you sure? And you can still modify the, uh, the, the purchase. I'd accidentally typed £625 rather than 62.50, and I was literally a millisecond away from pressing the button. And of course, you know, it probably wouldn't have gone for 600 quid, but it could have gone for considerably more than I'd wanted to pay for it. So I'm just wondering if anyone's got any of those stories that are kind of, oh dear, I didn't mean to do that. Oh well, what can I do? Or just something that you thought would be great and wasn't an accidental purchase that, you know, was impulse and just didn't work out. I'm going to start with you, Dave, because... You buy so much uh, of this stuff. You you buy just by the law of averages. You're going to be on eBay or you know in those kind of scenarios more often than certainly I am. So I'm, I want to hear what yours is. You must have a story. Not really. Uh, first of all, I'm not the keeper of the purse strings in the company. So and if that was the case, then we'd have been bankrupt years ago because I am kind of frivolous and I don't really understand how money works. Um, so what I do is I kind of see something or, and I go to Chris, can we afford it or can we get it? Or I need it is usually the one. And he's, it's now turned into a joke whereby, uh, if you need it to finish your album, you can, we can buy it. So I'm always, oh, I'm so close to finishing this album. <laughs> I'm so close. I just need a clavinet. Uh, and we may even be going to look at a Jupiter eight tomorrow. <laughs> I just need to finish the album. Jesus Christ. So, yeah, that's the kind of way it works because, obviously, yeah, if it was for me, if it was left to me, then we'd have had no money from day two of the operation. Oh, mind you, we started with no money. We'd have had minus no money on day two of the operation. <laughs> uh, no, this just made me laugh. I have heard a really classic one, which was somebody that was like a brand-new Nokia phone or something, and somebody put, an, uh, put it up on eBay, but it wasn't the phone, and it said underneath, in very small writing, you are bidding not for the phone or the Nokia, whatever it is, but the picture of the phone. And it got up to something like 600 quid. And then the person uh, realised it and went absolutely mental because their bid was accepted and they had to pay. Oh, that's, 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 no, no, that's dodgy it's stuff. A bit, it's, that's yeah, it's completely harsh. Well, so is this kind of thing, really. If you think, you know, this woman's kind of on a, on a day and goes, <laughs> I think I'll buy this album and... I don't know. I'm it just wondering. There, as... there, I, I'm trying to go through the possible uh, titles of the uh, uh, Neil Diamond songs that might be appropriate to this particular scenario, and I, I can't currently think of one. Maybe the chat room can come up with a an amusing data overpay overage type title derived from a Neil Diamond song. While we're kind of discussing this topic, there's a there's some homework for you right now, Robbie. Uh, 
I'm yeah. guessing you're more careful and cautious than yeah, perhaps well, I'm. Perhaps I, it's just me. Well, you know, I, I've been stung in the past, particularly the, the biggest thing I've been stung on is buying certain sample libraries or instruments. Um, I'm very cautious now because quite often some, you know, it's the whole syndrome, like um, the electron thing, you get really excited by somebody who's amazing at demoing something. And sometimes some of these sample libraries, you hear the demo and you, they've got incredibly talented people who've milked it for all it's worth. And then you buy the library for whatever, 300 quid or whatever they cost. And then you, you load it up and you just think, I'm only going to use about 5% of this. It's not what I wanted. So I'm very cautious now about those kind of purchases, you know, because they, they are substantial purchases. You know, probably 50, 60% of what I spend my money on is software, if not more. You know, so, yeah, I mean, I, I have been stung. I'm not mentioning any names, but there have been some real disappointments in the past. Yeah, the, the, that, yeah. A, a good demo, a good a good demo tune is worth a thousand sales, no doubt. <laughs> I would imagine. Um, Rich, any uh, any any of your I I I'm I'm guessing there's probably two threads to this because obviously you know you often will be purchasing for the boss, you know, so research is required and blah blah blah. I'm, I'm guessing, and then sometimes you might just go, hey, I really want one of those for yourself. So there might be a sort of double a. Du- potential there or maybe none at all i imagine you're probably very careful as well um uh am i careful yes and uh am i pretty darn dug in about making sure i'm not using anything we didn't buy yes but in terms um, of it's sh- uh, what, sure what the other questions are well it was the sort of unwise oh no did i just buy that kind of scenario or, or buying something that you thought was going to be amazing at a huge cost and going ah okay that's not actually yeah uh, that the unwise or the unwise or accidental purchase i'm thinking really well if you buy something on the order of you know a sample library say goliath from east west or you buy something from uh uh, just anything huge, native instruments, you buy complete. There's going to be some of it that's more useful to you than other things that are in there, and that some of those other things are going to be more useful to other people, and you understand that when you buy this enormous thing, Truth. that not every single part of it is going to be equally compelling to you. Um, the other thing I do is I tend to t- support a lot of smaller independent guys. A couple of them are over there in England with you guys that I like. Uh, Hollow Sun and uh, those people, and uh, they tend. I, I tend to audition these things very carefully, and decide whether or not I need them in my toolkit. Um, our needs tend to be more in the traditional instruments categories than perhaps most people, and a little less rooted in synthesis because of the nature of the music that Nile Rodgers makes most of the time. Yeah. Though there are exceptions where we go into other areas texturally, and I need to have all that synth stuff going on and orchestral libraries going on and everything else. But but um, it's uh, I, I just, um, you know, as relates to the original thread, try to approach it as ethically as possible and try to get burned as little as possible. Yeah. I hear you. That's... I'm trying to think the last time. I think the only time I got really got burnt was sending a synth off for repair and then the company went bust and I never got it back and I never got in touch with it. It was a, it was a Cheetah MS6, which was a big part of my sound in the 90s. Horrible, horrible thing to use, but actually incredibly, quite quite incredibly powerful. I don't know, Mark. Sorry. Go. You go, were you just about to go there? No, I was just about to say, they're about, they're about six, £700 on eBay, those MS6s now. Oh. <sighs> 
Yeah, people love them because they've got those those classic chips in them. Six foot, six, six. They are in fact six part multi timbrel, but you could. But honestly, it was a two character display. Yeah, absolute not. You had to have like a a chart to kind of you know work out what you were doing. Yeah, Mark, unwise or accidental purchases. <laughs> I just do it every day. I'm, I'm a nightmare. For I mean, I, I see things like I, I've gone through this whole space of buying Line 6 things. I got a bit obsessed with pods, so I keep buying pods, and I keep seeing them, and I think, God, 100 quid, that seems like a really good point. I'll just, oh, no, I'll just, I wonder if it's going to go, oh, and then, oh, oh, I've got it for 120 pounds, but just see if someone else wins it. Oh, no, I've won it for 120 pounds, and then it sort of arrives, and then I play the guitar through it. I think, oh, yeah, it's better than the other one. And then about three months later, I walk past it, and it's sitting in the corner gathering dust. Uh. So I bought a D-Bass 9 from the last Vemier auction, and it arrived, and I switched it on, and I went, oh, yeah, I remember this. This was really good. And then I went, oh, I'll put it in my rack, and I put it upstairs, and it's just sitting there. I haven't played with it since. In fact, I've got a 24U rack at the top of my stairs full of rack things that I've been buying, and I've been building this rack, but at the same time, uh, getting various different soft synths and plugins and things and putting this computer together. And I can sit and make music with my laptop and it works brilliantly. And then I've bought all of this outboard gear, which I just never use. And there's probably like two grand invested in that rack, maybe more than Well, that. if it's a 26U rack, the rack's probably quite 24 valuable. Rack. 24 is still quite valuable. Oh, no, that, was a bar- that was actually a bargain. <laughs> when I first moved to Glastonbury, I saw that on, on uh, eBay and it was 20 quid for local collection oh, only. Yeah. Or 24. So I paid, I, I bid on it and got it at the last minute on a snipe for 20 something pounds. Contacted the guy, said, when should I come and pick it up? And he said, oh, you live in Glastonbury, I'll drop it off you. So oh, right. I Result. paid less than 25 quid, including the deliveries. <laughs> it's a really nice piece of, you know, I always just just everything that's in it. <laughs> it's just, yeah, I always really like the idea of racks, and I kind of had the idea of it. And then, and then when I started building them for live work, and uh, I had this one that I I just built, um, and I had like EDAC, so I could take a, a, a plumber into the studio system, and then I would uh, unscrew the EDAC, and then I'd plug in. I'd, I'd bring one that had tails, and it was all I, I spent. I can't spent hundreds of pounds on this thing, and then. Um, it was just so bloody heavy, I couldn't ever carry it anywhere. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I cured that when I started working with Duran because basically we'd got lots of like strong people to hump stuff around and I thought, okay, so I'm going to put everything in one rack and I bought, I bought this rack from someone with a suspended inner thing and it was like a, a brand new custom built thing and I, I had it made in green. Harrods Green, or maybe a bit lighter than Harrods Green, I decided it was going to be like, this was going to be the rack to end all racks. And it was really tall, like 30-something units or something, and I got everything in there. I had a, v, uh, uh, you know, like an old-fashioned glass screen monitor. What are they called? VDU CRT, yeah. Yeah, a CRT and a special thing, and it looked like a bloody TARDIS. It was massive. Um, so I got it all put together and everything. We start the tour, and the tour manager or the, st- the tour manager came to me and he said, what is that bloody thing that you're trying to get on a plane? And I was like, what do you mean? And he said, that rack is too big to go in a standard uh, ETA uh, aluminium 
uh, shipping case. You know that everything right. goes into those kind of weird shaped aluminium cases. So basically, he said, it's too big. You can't take it. Take it apart and put it in two smaller racks. So I had to buy, <laughs> I had to buy two smaller racks, take all the stuff out and kind of split it up. Oh. So I was sort of a bit upset about that, but at the same time, still I can know, tell this huge green rack kicking around the Duran, you know, kind of uh, storage area for like years. But yeah, anyway. oh god, that's yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, it, it is interesting. I know. How do you? How do you, uh, Rich? Because I mean, I'm guessing when you're mobile, you know, you got mobile recording these. I'm guessing you know there are people that carry stuff, but do you kind of try and keep things in small? Um, Small rack systems or big ones with wheels on? You mean as far as traveling goes? Yeah. I go to gig with less than the piccolo player. <laughs> oh, the USB <laughs> key, right. I go with a flash drive and a set of the in-ears I'm wearing right now. A pair of cufflinks and my suit. Nice. That's the way um, to travel. Well, and I've worked to get it that way. But... Um, uh, Traveling with gear is a very expensive proposition, and unless you're really using a lot of really proprietary things, which many people are, but I'm not, um, you can usually rent back line cheaper than you can move your own stuff from place to place. So I tend to buy things these days, and I guess this makes me the grumpiest old man of the group, based on their size, their weight, as well as their sound. So like the last couple of times I had to travel... With audio interfaces, for example, I bought a Moto interface that was half rack space big, really light, had a ton of ins and outs, tons of interface capability, didn't cost that much, sounded wonderful. The fact that it was light meant a lot to me and small. Um, when I had to buy a small audio interface to do road work, uh, DAW road work on, I bought an Apogee One because the thing weighs like, I don't know, 12 ounces and it takes up no room in my bag. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm weighing all of those considerations at the same time. Audio quality, size, weight, convenience, cost. And uh, size and weight tend to play a lot bigger role in it for me these days because I just don't feel like humping stuff all over the world. That's where I'm going wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've, you've reduced in yeah, size really. as we've been talking, Dave. You've actually kind of created a much smaller footprint. I don't have to, I don't have to carry around... Uh, a full 1080 version of you at the moment. I'm down to about sort of 360p. I'll, I'll fix that though. Oh, well, that's good. But you, I mean, the thing is, is you know, you move. You know, you're talking about moving the CS8 and moving stuff around. I mean, how do that? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really tricky kind of equation, especially with old lady synthesizers and electronics. It's a nightmare, right? Yeah, and I kind of made that fantastic decision. Like, I tell you what, for security reasons, I'll be on the first floor. And of course, so there's Chris and I the two middle-aged grumpy buggers lifting the CS80 up the stairs. In fact, Chris's studio is supposed to have all the tape-playing instruments in, but when we got the new Mellotron, the 4000 or whatever, uh, the Streetly one, uh, we put that in here originally because I wanted to put it through my nice speakers and whatnot and whatnot. And somehow my missus managed to kind of do something decorative on the stairs, so I'm never that is never leaving this room because if I scuff the stairs, I'm dead. If we try and lift it, I'm probably dead. <laughs> so it's kind of staying in here forever. And then the CS, when the CS80 packed up, I was just like, oh, my God. Thankfully, Kent did an amazing thing and talked us through on Skype, like flick this and punch that and resolder that. Uh, but I've got the Wurlitzers kind of playing up at the minute, and I'm just like, you know, it's the one with the big display and stuff, and I'm like, 
can somebody just come out and fix this, please? So, yeah, maybe I'll, I might talk to Rich about maybe streamlining the system a bit. <laughs> we, we, run, we run our live thing like a military operation. We've got, like, I, I've got the weights of everything down to, like, the gram so that we can make sure that all our road cases are under 32, so they're all flyable. So, wow. um, yeah, oh, it's a right old, it's a pain because quite often we fly everything in, like, SKB cases and... And quite often the weights on their site for what the weight of the case is meant to be empty has been wrong. So we brought these cases up, put all the gear in, weighed it, and it's been like 33 kilograms or something. So um, we're just going through that whole thing now for the summer touring, trying to get everything exactly so that it's all totally below the limit. So we can, we can fly it if we need to. Is, that to, is that to do with the, the, uh, the fact they have to be under a certain weight? Otherwise, you know, people aren't allowed to lift them because they might yeah, hurt that's themselves. Yeah, right. Won't lift it. And the problem is, for the kind of touring we're doing, we, we may do like a run of dates with a tour bus, but then we have to fly somewhere for like one in the middle. And because all the gear's bespoke, it's very bespoke. We're running a whole Roland V-mixing system for all our out front and in-ears and everything. And we've got all these custom cases made for keyboards. We, can't, we haven't got duplicates of everything, so we have to be able to go to the airport at the crack of dawn and, and have it out with the check-in staff with about 20 cases and get it all on a flight. Are you put, you're putting stuff on domestic flights in SKB cases, are you? Yeah, we've we, we, we got it all. Yeah, I've had them all specially foamed out and we've split everything up so that it all works out that everything is under 32 kilograms. So in America, actually, some of the airlines will fly up to 40 kilograms if you want. So, um, yeah, it works out. and We managed to kind of go everywhere with, around the world like that. But um, you have to you have to run it like a military operation. Right. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine. I mean, I'm just remembering what it was like planning a studio patch bay, you know. Let alone <laughs> what you're having to deal with. <laughs> it took me weeks. We've just got this new lighting, which I don't know if I said to you about, Nick. Yeah, yeah. We're having these lights built into our um, into our cases, and they're DMX addressable wireless um, LED lights that run off batteries for up to ten hours. Ooh. Wow! So we're having, the, we're having acrylic cases made for all the keyboards, and these are all going to be mounted in them, so that the lighting guy can control all the lighting within our keyboard rigs. So um, yeah, they're very cool. That's really that is cool. Neat. So yeah, that, that is really. So are you you're dealing with the DMX addressing as well? Well, funny you should say that. <laughs> um, I, I delivered this. I got delivered this box of parts, and I started looking at it, and I thought. Hmm, I think I'll just hand that over to RLT. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably a better idea. You can do it. I mean, um, for, you know, we have DMX systems here because you can get mini to DMX and you can get these little boxes yeah. that will address yeah. stuff. And, it, you know, it's, it's, but it's very, you know, if you think MIDI's complicated with 16 channels, 256 channels. Well, that's what we thought. We thought we'd write all the information because we run all the video as, we, we trigger all the video as, you know, individual clips in Ableton so the video can totally follow our arrangements when we change them. And I thought, oh, I'll just write in all the MIDI information for the light changes. But like you say, when I started looking at it, I thought, hmm, perhaps this isn't a job for me. Yeah. So, yeah. I can totally dig that. We're currently working on the idea of, uh, I bought a new Raspberry Pi at the weekend 
and I'm going to make a uh, tally lights for the cameras because, I mean, it's getting to the point now where we were shooting stuff with Gaz where it's like uh, um, somebody's switching and we're, Andy's switching and we got, we're looking at stuff and when we look up, we don't know which camera to look at so we need lights on top of it so like this is the live camera and just trying to figure out how to do that even, you know, I mean, because you buy tally systems and they are really, really expensive. I mean, we're talking probably five, six, seven hundred quid at least just for interfacing and it's just, and some of them are thousands, you know. And this is like, you know, I'm looking for a camera, a camera that costs sixty quid, you know. I, I'm, I'm not going to be spending. So it, yeah, Raspberry Pi. I'm, I'm now looking for a way of uh, just read, yeah, it, and getting into all of that. But uh, I won't get too too bogged down in it. But yeah, reading MIDI strings from the serial port of a Raspberry Pi and then sending MIDI, you know, logic out to switching pins. It's just, I've tried to find someone who'd do it for me, but. It just ends up then costing as much as it would cost to buy one of those really expensive ones. Anyway, uh, I'm yes, that's enough of my ins and outs and worries and what have you. But I want to say thank you very much to everybody. Uh, really good fun again. Nice to see you all. Nice to see you, Rich. And um, thanks for joining us. I hope are you off to off to the studio again to wax a hottie. As it uh, were. Not, uh, I have some things to do today. Yes, thank you. And I uh, really enjoyed the show as always. Thank you very much. I'm getting rung and rung and rung. I'm just going to have to. I think perhaps the reason I'm not answering the phone is because I'm on air. Bread and milk, Nick. You need bread and milk. Yeah, bread it's probably milk. something like that. <laughs> anyway, and also th thank you very much, Robbie, for joining us too. Uh, did you want to quickly? Did you want oh. me to say? I thought about that Raven. Yes, thing. of course. I totally forgot yeah. about that. You went to see the Raven, uh, the Stephen Slate Raven MTI. I might just have to take a call while you talk, but I'll, I'll switch yeah. my mic off and I can well, still listen to you. I mean, I went, to, I went to look at the little one, you know, the one that hasn't got all the metering and stuff built in, purely because I've been having terrible problems in the studio with eye strain, like just not being able to concentrate. So someone said to me, do you realise if you get, like, the MTI, you get all your plugins like, giant size right in front of you? So that was the thing that kind of initially excited me the most, about being able to have my plugins two or three times the size. Um, so I went and had a look at it, and I went and looked at it with its logic kind of skin with the way that they've skinned it you know and I think it's probably going to be a really great product but I don't think I don't think it's ready yet in terms of certainly for me as a logic user because the, the whole slate side of it is very much looking like the, the Pro Tools part of it um, they did for the other big ones so if, to me it's all a little bit incongruous at the moment so um, I think give it another six months nine months it might have much better integration maybe worth looking at again but I mean it, it is really nice having the best thing about it is having your plugins and everything at that kind of angle in front of you which made me kind of think about possibly reconfiguring where I have monitors in the studio and building them into the desk so that was kind of what I thought about it really ah so you, ah. How, how was the actual um, the kind of the touch experience yeah it's good, but it's weird because I kept going to grab the screen and pinch it and things like that, thinking I could do it like an iPad. And, of course, it doesn't have any of that capability because that's all core Apple stuff, all that, and that's not available to them to do. So I'm in two minds thinking, you know, in a year's time, you know, Apple haven't got any monitors out at the moment. Is that going to be the next thing that they might well do with their own monitors and obviously things like Logic and final cut would have those capabilities built in so i'm a little bit on the fence about it really wondering whether it's kind of like getting in something early like i did with the lemur and then thinking afterwards 
you know, perhaps, you know, work, would it have been worth waiting? I don't know. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, this is the, what we're talking about. It's the Stephen Slate Raven MTI, which is the smaller version of the kind of large format touchscreen. Uh, I guess it's still only, is it still only a 1080 um, screen or is it a larger format than that? I'm not yeah, sure. No, that's right, yeah. And it's, it's, it's about two grand to do it. Just over two grand. So it's not an insignificant purchase. See, that doesn't really make sense to me. And the reason yeah. it doesn't make sense is because I'm really interested in this Lenovo tablet thing, which is a massive, massive, great big 27-inch tablet PC, which runs... That's what it says. This is 27-inch, yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, this, uh, but this has got a 1920 or eight, uh, higher than HD resolution. And I just think that I've gone back to the PC because I've kind of got it in my mind that I'm as soon as um, Ableton start to uh, think about multi-touch displays and they make some of that stuff work on Windows 8, that that would be the way to go. So I'm sort of, I'm thinking ahead and planning to go in that direction. And, and the, the Lenovo thing will run for two hours on its own batteries. It's Wi-Fi enabled. It's got like various USB 3 connections and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I just have this idea of having what's essentially a bloody great big piece of glass to work on. And I'm I just, yeah, yeah. That's where I want well, to go I will tell you one thing. I mean, the one thing that uh, we are constantly finding is when we're working on uh, Sonic Touch Show, we spend so much time polishing the bloody thing and cleaning the finger grease off it. It's just, it's, right. and on a massive scale, you know, you know, maybe there'll be, uh, if, if window cleaning is a kind of dying art, there'll be now, uh, there'll be an issue that, you know, there'll be, a, you can have people come in and, and specially clean your, um, your stuff. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that. With the Stephen Slate thing, they they very definitely said because I, I said about the resolution, and that their take on it is is the resolution they have chosen is what they feel is the most optimum resolution for finger touch on that kind of scale. So what? probably you could you could get much finer um, resolution for screens, but they're saying the actual usability, the resolution they've chosen, they feel is the best resolution for a finger to be able to actually grab things without having to really work at it. That's, I think that's just that's happens to also be the most uh, widely available <laughs> resolution. That doesn't quite make sense to me, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. have you tried one? Have you, have you? I mean, we've talked about this before, but it, it seems like, you know, that would be kind of an interesting thing. I like the idea of being able to see large format plugins and kind of, you know, that sort of thing. That sounds pretty good. Maybe what you need is like a, there'll be an issue where you have a, a, another monitor connected to your system, which just sort of ma is like a, uh, a 1080 resolution, but really massive. So you just throw them. So it just comes really big in one monitor. And then maybe that's the way to do it. I don't know. That, that might work. I don't know. Maybe not, Rich. I've stood next to it. I haven't operated it. Um, I've expressed my interest yeah. in touching things before, and touching a coffee table is not high on my list <laughs> of things to do as I'm mixing. But I do understand the visual advantages for people who have issues with sight things, and Robbie's concerns are quite well founded. So yeah. I hope it works for him. I'm not getting one, though. I just, I just to want to carry the, the Lenovo Horizon up Glastonbury High Street and say to people that it's my phone. <laughs> so look how big my phone you is. You know what? I saw somebody with like one of those 27-inch things the other day and I referred to it as the Stephen Slade iPhone. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, Excellent. interesting. Okay, well, I think that's probably us for this week. My f- the phones are going everywhere, so we're obviously all in demand. Um, you know, we- we're busy people, so we've got to get on with our stuff. And, and Rich is probably going to get on to back to work. And, uh, thank you very much, Rich. Hiltonius.com. Um, thank you. You can catch him in Chic somewhere, pretty much anywhere in the world in the next 12 months. Actually, you can catch me in 10 days at Moogfest. Ah, coolia. Where Sheik is playing on Saturday night. Nice. Oh, that'll be fantastic. Have a great one. Yeah, that I'm sounds really good. Thank you. Yeah, that starts on the 23rd, I think, isn't it? 23rd, 24th, so right. Saturday night. And is we're the playing the 26th, 26th, I believe. Brilliant. Okay, well, have a great gig. I know it's good. I've seen it. I, I can vouch for it. Uh, Dave Spears, uh, there, G4 Software. Thank you very much for joining us, too. Thank you. I was thinking about your Neil Diamond thing. Okay. I haven't, got, I haven't got a song, but do you think when Orange rang up to charge them the money, they went, hello again, hello. <laughs> <laughs> do you think every time they're on there for their debt collection, they're going, I just called to say hello. <laughs> but a good idea. Certainly probably make them seem more... Yeah. It's touchy-feely. Anyway, thank you very much, Dave. And also, thank you, Mark Tinley, Lord Mark Tinley, over there in Lord his Dickensian, Dickensian look. I never did change my um, driver's license, but I still... Uh, yeah, well, whatever. Um, I just want to point out that uh, the binary music have actually withdrawn that product. I don't know if people noticed that. I think, they've, yeah, they're waiting to see if they get the license. That's very true, yeah. They've been doing the honourable thing. So, I want to remind people to come to my workshop on the 23rd of April at 7.15 in St. Mary's Hall in Glastonbury, where we'll be experimenting with music and voices and uh, all of these, you know, the, the significance of 432 hertz and all that kind of stuff. We're going to be playing with that, seeing what difference it really makes. Very cool. Thank you very much for having me. Excellent. And, uh, Thank you very much, I Mark. To, I might not come on next week because I've got to prepare for that. All right. It'd be brilliant if some technical people could come to this and go, well, for, you're talking absolute nonsense, Tim. You want to debate. <laughs> Funnily enough, um, my mother's best friend came to visit me yesterday. Uh, uh, they're both called Wendy, and I haven't seen her for like 15 years. And she is a Baroque... That she's she's performing in a Baroque opera, which just is a great phrase. And she p- performs That's with cool, a yeah. specifically Baroque instrument, and they tune to 415, which I didn't know. And she said that was four fifteen. Yeah, they they a is four fifteen. They tune. What she told me, maybe she meant four thirty two. Well, no, no, it kind of makes sense. I mean, it's theoretical. C is theoretically five hundred and twelve hertz. Theoretically, as in terms of like divisions of a pipe and all that kind of blah blah blah. But well, uh, if you want more of that, you're going to have to go and see Mark. Uh, at his uh, talk next week um, so yes thank you very much and also say thank you to Robbie Bronneman who's there with his uh, fancy light oh look at that wow yeah. are they expensive um, about £400 each ah right yeah, yeah. out of our range for... don't me it change colour Obi-Wan <laughs> they do they do everything every colour you want there you go put it on a different programme you've got to go here we go. Let's have one colour for you. Oh, does it do multiple colours along its... Oh, yeah, yeah, of course it does. Yeah, here, one colour static. So we go to... Wow. That really does look a bit like you're about to kind of light fence. That is really cool. Wow. Yeah, I could go down Glastonbury High Street with my Lenovo Horizon in one hand and that in the other. Yeah, you look would... Look at my massive phone. If you don't like it, I'm going to kill you. 
<laughs> I might come to your little workshop next week, Mark. I'd love it if you did. It would be great. I'm sorry I just called it a little workshop. That was very that was very patronizing. I didn't mean that. No, it's all right. You can call it what you like. No, if, I, if I'm around, I'll definitely try and make it because you're just down the road from me. Excellent. Well, there we go. Look, well, now we have, we've, we've created a date. So, uh, But I am going to have to say goodbye because my phone is still blinking away. Uh, but thank you very much, everybody. And I want to say thanks to our sponsors again. Um, remember, you need to, if you want to enter the competition, Isotope, of course, sponsoring the show, uh, you've got to uh, tweet the hashtag fix the mix uh, and you include at Sonic Nick and at Isotope Inc. And from the collection of uh, tweets that we get in uh, that mention that, those exact words uh, and any more that you want to add to it, um, there will be uh, a prize drawn uh, from a random number from the total number of, of winners. And we'll announce it next week. So go to it and enjoy yourselves. That's it for this week. Um, just posted the Behringer X32 version 2 review and I'm working on the Atlantis IntelliGel, IntelliGel Atlantis synth module review. But that's it for now. So I will now fade to black. Goodbye. <laughs>